0: Welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist and I've been practicing in fable, Arkansas since 1993, so you can count up the years yourself. I started a podcast almost three years ago now in order to reach out perhaps to those of you who already are in therapy or are interested in psychological and emotional issues, or to those of you who may have just been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder or something that you need to have more information about. But I'm also reaching out a hand to those of you who might really not consider going to a therapist, but are just curious enough about what a psychologist might have to say that you're going to listen in. So welcome. Today's podcast is going to feature you, your emails, and the topics are incredibly diverse. Everything from whether or not a therapist can be bad, to recognizing a depression pattern, to loneliness, to loving someone with borderline personality disorder. I've got a few of them lined up. You're asking really great questions, and I thank you for that. And I have a big announcement today. We're in the process of setting up a webpage for you to use to actually pre-order my new book that's coming out November the 1st, entitled Perfectly Hidden Depression. Now, those of you who've been listening for a while know that I don't sell things on this podcast, but this book is near and dear to my heart. I've spent the last five years writing it. I never thought I'd write a book. I never even really wanted to write a book, but this book came to me, is what I feel like. And so I'll give you that information in just a minute. But let's go on now to your emails. And again, if you're new, welcome to self-work. Or if you're not, I'm so glad you're listening. The first question we're going to be talking about is whether or not a therapist cannot be very good at what they're doing. And, of course, the answer is yes, but it's an interesting situation. She says, Hi, Dr. Rutherford. First, I wanted to thank you for putting out your podcast and starting a Facebook group. I'll give you that information later, by the way. I think getting the word out about mental health and therapy is so important. Your insight has been eye-opening and was part of some things in my life all happening at once that encouraged me to finally seek therapy for myself. My parents divorced a few years ago and my mother remarried. That marriage was very unhealthy, and after it ended, my parents reconciled and are getting married again. This process was really difficult for our family, and we decided to go to family therapy. Everyone else in my family really connected with the therapist and thought she was wonderful. While the experience was beneficial for me, I found it hard to connect with her and sometimes question her approach, a brief example being her tendency to essentially ignore someone if they were crying, other than stopping and waiting for them to collect themselves. I can see how stopping everything for many minutes while someone cries could take up too much time, but I felt that at some point I didn't know if this was typical and I did end up feeling a little bit of shame around not liking her when everyone else took to her immediately. I am now in individual therapy, and am having a much better experience. I really feel heard, and while he isn't too hard on me, he does push back when I need it. This experience is making me wonder if my previous therapist was quote-unquote bad, and was using methods that she shouldn't, or if her approach simply didn't work for me. So my question is, are there bad therapists, or just therapists whose approach doesn't work for you? And if they're a bad therapist, how do you know if you're seeing one? Thank you. I liked this email because, one, she brings up family therapy, which not a lot of people know about, but at times, entire families go into therapy. The therapist's job is a little different with family therapy because you want every member to feel understood. And of course, if you're doing individual therapy, you're only hearing the perspective of one person. But my particular approach, even with individuals, is to try to understand how the individual might look even in the family context and give them some feedback about that. But again, here's my answer to her email. Yes, of course, there are bad therapists or therapists whose own issues cloud their work, aren't very well trained, have lost their own sense of purpose. There could be many reasons. I don't know why the family therapist didn't check on the crying. There are some context where I might be able to see that moving on from it without giving the crying too much attention could be warranted. However, Not in all situations. Perhaps more solution-focused therapists might not be as in tune with emotions. Maybe she noticed the tears but thought they might be manipulative. Maybe she's personally uncomfortable with painful emotion. I don't really know. It sounds like although the therapy was beneficial, it wasn't your cup of tea. And of course, that's all right. I'm glad it didn't stop you from seeking other treatment and that that treatment is going well. It certainly sounds as if there's been a lot of chaos happening, and I hope that things settle down. Good luck to you. I realize in reading my answer, I didn't answer her final question, which is, how do you know if you have a bad therapist? The only way I really know how to make a generic comment about that is if you're not reaching the goals you want to reach. For example, if you wanted to learn more about how to handle your bipolar disorder in the present, and you're therapist is focusing on the past and not telling you why, then maybe she or he isn't doing the kind of therapy you need. Other therapists don't talk about the past at all and really focus on the present. So you want to know what your own personal goals are and talk with the therapist about that and make sure that the two of you are a good fit. Now, obviously, if the therapist talks about themselves all the time and the session seems like it's more about them than you, that's a huge red flag. The other thing that I've pointed out in other episodes is that part of therapy is a business relationship. Now, obviously, the vast majority of it is not, but sometimes therapists don't have good business practices. They don't bill you regularly. They don't keep accurate hours or they start late. You never quite know how long the session is going to be. All of that adds a lot of confusion to the therapeutic process. So you want to make sure they handle things well and confidentially and that the business aspect or financial aspect of the therapy is very clear to you. Okay, here's one on perfectly hidden depression. I've just started listening to your podcasts and wanted to say thank you for your expertise. I'm learning so much. I also wanted to ask for some tips. I definitely deal with perfectly hidden depression. I'm especially good at this during the week at work, constantly smiling, looking at everyone else, working extremely hard and attempting to be perfect. When the weekend comes, I'm exhausted. I often spend most of my weekend on the couch or in bed. My partner is a chef, which means he works late nights and weekends. I find myself incredibly lonely a lot of the time, And in my weekends, spiral into a deep depression. I try to plan social outings with friends to distract me, but also need my alone time to recharge. The problem is when I have too much alone time, I get really depressed. Do you have any tips for taking back my weekends? What can I do so that I don't spiral into this deep depression? So my answer, a depression that comes on when you're not distracted by work or outings could be so many things a lack of depth in the relationships you do have, something wrong with your primary relationship, unresolved or untouched issues from your past that come to the surface if you're alone. I would suggest finding a therapist there to talk things through with. That's not normal that you want to spend all that time in bed. A little mental health break is one thing. A need to escape is something else. As I read my answer, I realize there's still something I didn't say to her, so I'm glad I'm answering it like this. There's a distinction between what's called high-functioning depression, where you're very aware that you're sort of putting out this perfectionistic persona and you smile all the time, but that you also are aware that you're depressed. It's called smiling depression, high-functioning depression. And I do think that people who experience this or identify with this will also identify with perfectly hidden depression. I believe there are people with perfectly hidden depression, however, that are totally unconscious of dips they may have into depression or that depression could even possibly exist. So I might suggest to this listener that she has more of a high-functioning depression or smiling depression and that there are some things wrong that she needs to look at. Again, I understand completely why she has identified with perfectly hidden depression and there may be aspects of that that truly describe her. I just want to point out the difference between the levels of awareness. And I obviously am encouraging her to dig a little deeper into what could be wrong on the weekends, or actually what could be wrong that's underneath both her persona of happiness and her depression. Here's another email about a relationship that seems to be really ending, and the writer doesn't know what to do. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I'm in a dying relationship where we don't spend time together anymore, just as you described in your podcast. I'm not sure which podcast she's talking about. After I had chemotherapy in 2016, we grew apart and were never able to get back to a satisfying relationship for either of us. To put it plainly, I feel that the time is long past for us to part ways. But because of my age, and she tells me she's in her mid-fifties, and cancer, I feel like I have nowhere to go. In short... I'm afraid of striking out on my own and having to live financially somewhere far below what I've become used to. How do I get past my fears and learn to embrace life again? I've lived a very full life of adventure and experiences, but now I'm wasting away in depression and shame. Wow, that sounds terrible. I write her back. Thanks so much for being a listener. It sounds to me as if you need some support to work through your fear. I found this book in a quick search I think it would be helpful to read how others contemplated this move. The book is named Gray Divorce Stories, Getting Divorced. Gray Divorce being a divorce when you're more mature, or up in years, as they say. Also, getting support from a therapist could be very helpful. Family and even friends will have their own agenda and likely not be able to be objective. You're right to realize that your life will change. You have to assess the damage that's being done to your heart and mind now and then decide what you can tolerate the best. Would there be a way to stay married but find happiness with other friends more or go back to work? There's the cancer risk as well. Have you fully grieved that? Are you in remission? A therapist can help you sort out what's rational fear and what's irrational fear. There is an emotional cost to your misery. And your misery comes across loud and strong. But it is also a strong reality that especially even in today's world, that in a non-dual career couple, a woman's income and financial status goes down substantially. So that's important to think about. There's also another book, both these books I'll put in the show notes, there's another book called Too Good to Leave, Too Bad to Stay. I don't know the author, but it's helped a lot of my own patients make this very difficult choice. Good luck to you. I do want to say something in the middle of this podcast about my announcement. Where you can look for pre-sales for my book is perfectlyhiddendepression.com. It will take you to a webpage with all of the links where you can order the book. Now, why is this important? <laughs> pre-sales are important because... It gives the publishing company a heads up about how many books they actually need to print. Right now, I think we're set to print 6,000. But I, of course, as the author, want this book to get in the hands of as many people who need to read it as possible. And so I'm announcing pre-sales in order to help you do that. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Indie Books. You can buy it at Barnes & Noble. I think the cost of the... Paperback is sixteen ninety five and the ebook is I think the ebook is available and it's for sale for thirteen ninety five. So again, I would so appreciate it if you consider a pre-sale. If you order the book now, it will come out November the first and you will be sent a copy ASAP, but it will go down as a sale on November the first. So if you want to consider it again, it's perfectly hidden dot com in the book. I not only talk about the characteristics and things I've talked about on the podcast, but I go through over 60 reflections that are going to help you investigate and discover what made your perfectionism begin, how to change it. We go through the five steps of change very carefully. And I also share many of my own stories and many of both my patient stories anonymously and the people I interviewed for the book. So once again, it's Perfectly Hidden Depression. Dot .com. Let's get to another email. Hi, Dr. Rutherford. I just started listening to your podcast a couple of days ago and I'm really enjoying it. I'm currently taking medication for depression and anxiety, social anxiety in particular. I also see a counselor at my university and have been in counseling for about a year and a half now. I know that my counselor has good intentions, But I feel like I've hit a wall and that I'm not progressing in therapy at all. I'm not sure if it's because of me or her, but I'm just losing hope that therapy will work for me. I'm getting better at reaching out for help, but so often my friends and family's answers are go to therapy. (laughs) And I believe that therapy works for other people, but I just feel it's not working for me. What can I do to get back on track and get out of this slump I'm in? This is similar to the first question. So here's my answer. It may be that the fit between you and your counselor isn't a good one, and before you throw in the therapy towel, you should try someone else. My own approach is very hands-on, with frequent assignments to do and journaling. If you are doing everything that she asks you to do, which of course, if you're not, then perhaps why you're not getting anything out of it, has something to do more with your own struggles. But if you are doing everything she asks you to do, then maybe again, it's not a great fit. I'd also recommend that you tell your therapist this and ask if she agrees with you or not. If not, then ask her to tell you from her perspective what gains you've made. If she agrees with you, either the two of you can talk about what needs to happen now and how you're going to assess future gains, or ask for a referral. It's more than fine to end a relationship with a therapist if therapy isn't helping. I'd certainly recommend being assertive so that you start to travel in the direction you need. And good luck to you. This is an email about shame. I definitely believe I have perfectly hidden depression and I'm looking forward to your book. I was listening to podcast 85 today and could really relate to the woman's email regarding promiscuous behavior. I definitely believe my promiscuous behavior when I was young was due to wanting acceptance. I've also always believed I need to be perfect and please everyone. I went through therapy when I was in my mid-twenties and became a much stronger person. I found that I had worth. But as I'm older, I'm better, but I still deal at times with not doing anything wrong so that I'll not be judged. Panic attack seems to be how these issues show up, along with not putting myself out there. How do I forgive myself? The guilt over bad choices I've made while trying to do what I thought I was supposed to do, and today just screwing up, is very difficult to work through. Is there a podcast available on that? And then I get back to her. it took me quite a while to get back with her, because I was busy with book stuff. But here's my answer. Letting go of shame is a choice. It takes practice. It takes realizing that we all make mistakes, and it is those imperfections that cause us to be able to have empathy for others. Of course, we women learned, you and I are similar in age, that we could get attention sexually. And frankly, there wasn't a lot out there that was being promoted as ways for young girls to be professionally successful. Again, remember, this listener is around my age. So many of us flirted and had sex and got attention and felt empowered, and of course got badly hurt in the process and may have hurt others. I've tried to model being open about my own flaws. I was very nervous at first Would people laugh and say, so what are you doing being a therapist and trying to help others when you got ongoing problems yourself? But that's not what has happened at all. In fact, quite the opposite. I would only hope that you would have a similar experience, but you can't do away with the feelings of risk. And shame, it's not good for much unless it leads to a change in behavior. And it did when you worked through In therapy, what you needed to work through many years ago, you let go of a lot of it. But it sounds like as you're getting older, you have more regrets. Let yourself feel about those, but show yourself the same compassion that you would show others. And here's our last email, and it's about trauma. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I've just discovered your podcast, and it's a highlight for me. I've learned a lot already and enjoy your personable and warm manner. Thank you so much. And she thanks me for the invitation to email me. I feel in some ways I'm in the too hard basket for many and would really appreciate your advice. I'm in a very difficult point in my life and I'm really not sure what to do. My life has been challenging. I'll keep things short, but in summary, I've had a physically and sexually abusive and neglectful childhood, both at home and in my school life, suffering physical trauma without medical care, amongst other things. I married and with my first child had a terrible birth trauma. Several weeks later, I was hit head on in a car accident. Both of these were near death experiences. I suffered from dark depression and despair for a long time, struggling with work and relationships. I still struggle with my mental health, but have received Little, if any, therapy or support. My marriage broke up, which was very difficult. At middle age, I decided to begin a new life for myself with high hopes. I got a job and started graduate school and put my all into it. Six months later, here I am. The doctor is saying I've had a major stress response in which my brain has gone into a hypervigilant state with extreme anxiety. She suggested I start Zoloft. That has helped and calmed me a little, but I'm still very uptight and overloaded. I've had responses like this before, mainly with my work, but this is the worst it's been. I feel I was triggered by the work and the study, linked to previous traumas, possibly. I've seen a counselor once, but I'm feeling quite hopeless about my life. I feel as though he thinks I'm strange, and it's all too much to deal with me. Maybe I'm imagining it. I know I'm very sensitive. I appreciate your opinion on the best way forward for me. I'm wondering if I can heal from any of this and begin again, or at all, or if this is just how my life is going to be. What should I do? Gosh, what a poignant email. In fact, this listener's story sounds a lot like the story of the author of Educated. Her name is Tara Westover, and she's written a book about growing up with a family who loved her, but had extremely rigid, conservative, even primitive, in some ways, views of child care and of what you teach your children and how you take care of them and protect them. Her father actually had mental illness, severe mental illness. Her mother was involved in holistic healing, using herbs and potions and things like that. But I would strongly suggest to any of you who've had a very traumatic background that you get the book, Educated, and I will include it in the show notes. But here's my email. I'm so delighted that the podcast is helpful to you. Yes, it definitely sounds like to me as if the trauma you've experienced when you get under enough stress is getting triggered. I'm so sorry this has happened to you and hope that you take the time to try to do some healing. If you don't feel that your therapist is tuned into you, or if you didn't feel like they understood you, then by all means, look for another therapist. It's vital that you feel safe and comfortable with them. I'd suggest with your history of trauma that you look for someone who can do eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing therapy, or EMDR, as it is a very effective and, by the way, very time-friendly means of healing from trauma. However, if you cannot find anyone, and then at the least find someone with experience with trauma who's comfortable with guiding you through what you need to process. Believe it or not, I have known therapists who simply are not comfortable dealing with trauma. It may trigger them, or they just simply don't know how to be there on that deeper emotional level. doesn't make them bad therapists, but if they're trying to deal with someone with trauma, then they're ineffective. Medication can help, but it cannot do what needs to be done. And that is for you to connect with those emotions that you've tried to suppress safely and compassionately. There are all kinds of books now on trauma. The body keeps the score educated. So many people discount the trauma that they had. There's something you should know about called Big T and Little T. Big trauma are things like near deaths and accidents and being bullied and being raped and all these things that can happen to people that are incredibly traumatic. And then there are little t traumas that mean more than some of the chronic or quote-unquote smaller things that happen to you, but that were very difficult and made your life more difficult. Things like learning disabilities or having a mentally ill parent. If the mental illness is severe enough, that could be a big T as well. But those things make an impact on your physical functioning and on your emotional functioning. We might like to try to pretend that they don't, or we just simply don't realize that they make an impact and they can be triggered. I worked with a man a couple of years ago who actually had a very tough job. That job took a lot of courage. And yet there were times when his anger would explode and he didn't understand why. It usually would happen at home with his wife. He'd had a parent who had terrible obsessive compulsive disorder and would go through everything he did with this scrutiny that was excessive and was demanding and was very uncaring. It was his way of showing caring, which is what my patient remembered. But the effect on my patient as a child had been terrible. It was not until this man that my patient realized, oh, What must that young boy have felt like, that he could realize that when he felt like his wife was criticizing him, he blew up? Making those connections can be so important. Thank you for continuing to send me emails at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. I will answer them and they will remain confidential. I will use them on the air, but I change all the facts and figures. Of course, if you do not want it to be read, then simply tell me so and it won't be. I've also appreciated the ratings and reviews that people have left this month, especially the written reviews. Those are the ways that when someone gets on iTunes and they quote unquote stumble across self-work, they can read what you have to say and know what perhaps this particular podcast has to offer. So thank you for all those. You can subscribe at DrMargaretRutherford.com, which more of you are doing, and you'll only get a weekly newsletter, which gives you the podcast for the week and a weekly blog post that perhaps would be helpful to you as well. I'm on Instagram at DrMargaretRutherford.com, and I'm doing a fun series called What I've Learned as a Therapist. And then I have started a Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. We're up to about 850 members. It's a very diverse group. I'd love to have you there. So thanks for being here today. Take very good care. This is Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self Work.